in a world where confusion reigns. You're telling me in Russian Siberia where awkward topics are inescapable. Oh my god, I don't want to be talking about this. And awful puns lurk around every corner. You can't eat clowns, they taste funny. Three men with borderline personality disorders fight to save their sanity. Starring Mike Russell, Steve Trollinger, and introducing Nick Brigadier. The world needed heroes. What it got instead was... The Song Topsy Report. Uh, but yeah, and then instead of our normal intro, I feel like that would be the intro. Yeah, yeah. And we would just go right into the episode after the theme music plays. Yeah. And you would you would do uh, I'll I'll yell I'll yell Song Topsers Assemble. I mean, you could actually just yell that right now, and we could start the episode. Song topsers, assemble! Ah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Woo-hoo! You guys suck. Right Welcome then. to Song Tops Report, ladies and gentlemen, where we dissect bad, bizarre, otherwise noteworthy music, figure out how it died. I'm super disappointed in my co-host, Steve Trollinger. Steve, we're not used to being superheroes, okay? We're we're, we're like we're like the uh, we're pre we're pre bitten by radioactive spider Peter Parkers here. You gotta cut us a break. Pre spider Peter Parkers. Pre Peter Parker. Who who and how many pickled peppers did he pick? I won't go down this rabbit hole. I am Nick Brigadier, and I am Mike Russell. You you tried. <laughs> no, he succeeded. <laughs> good good effort. I've been trying to use the phrase good effort a lot lately because it is both nice and condescending at the same time. Is that are you trying to rebrand yourself as instead of condescending, nice and condescending? Yeah. It's working. Nice and condescending. Uh if this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you so much for joining us. Now, Steve, what prompted such an epic cinematic opening as the one we had this episode? Well, if it hasn't been immediately apparent to anyone who's been listening to our show for like the past two years, it would seem as though it is time once again for another day at the movies. Oh, you know what? Nothing gets my mindset out of daddy issues and piss and talking about R. Kelly than going to the movies and just turning my brain off. I am the palate cleanser this show needed. And I am the palate cleanser that this show deserves. Oh, it's like this something we can eat popcorn to and not look at some horrible, awful train wreck. Oh, contraire, you will be doing that today too. <laughs> and we'll, I'll I'll very specifically point out which movie I'm talking about at the end of the episode <laughs> because I'm saving it for last. Uh, yes, we are going to do. I know I. Uh, we just, we had one February and I think I said something to the effect of the next one will be for Halloween. But then I just, I got to thinking, you know what, what is summer about? It's time, it's summer at last and summer for at least the last 35, 40 years, ever since Jaws in 1975 has been about the summer blockbuster. Blockbusters! And unlike blockbuster video, it's still going strong. (laughs) Shots fired. Uh, they know what they did. So... Uh, I figured that this would be another great opportunity to talk about some of the fine music, or otherwise not fine music, that we find 
in our movies, and this time specifically regarding summer blockbusters. And what bigger summer blockbusters are there than superhero movies, am I right? They don't get bigger, badder, sweeter, more super heroic than that of the, the, the superhero genre, Steve. You're right. I have always been of the opinion that in the mid to late 80s when they were doing, uh, you know, you had Commando, you had these big like Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Harrison Ford level movies coming out where with these larger than life heroes, there, there came a point of diminishing returns. Once Arnold Schwarzenegger playing John Matrix, a human man, did what he does in that movie, there's not really a place for regular people to go. Which is why I felt like the inevitable coming of the superhero movie uh, was inevitable. Much like Thanos. Wait, the inevitable coming of the superhero movie was inevitable? Yes. <laughs> you don't say. I don't have any of this written down. It's completely improvised. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger really is like a pretty close to being a superhero. He's 70 years old, and I saw him get dropkicked by I saw some kid. Too. And he, Everyone in America saw that. He just... Just a little fell He's like, I thought somebody was jostling me. <laughs> Stop jostling me. <laughs> Kid full on fucking full sprint drop kick. Jeez. But the summer blockbuster, specifically the superhero summer blockbuster, you might say came about with uh, Superman or the first Batman movie or the uh, seminal uh, 1997 classic Steel starring Shaquille O'Neal. Yes. But it wasn't. Some might argue that it was X-Men, which came out in like 2000, 2001. But I argue that the current phase of superhero blocks, blockbuster movies that we're living in now truly got its start with the very first Spider-Man movie in 2002. Oh, with Tobey Maguire, Dir- my man! Directed by horror, seminal horror filmmaker Sam Raimi. One of my and, favorite directors, And yes. starring Hollywood hunk Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Yo. Remember when we were trying to make Tobey Maguire a like, Hollywood stud guy? But it started with Spider-Man. Started with Spider-Man. Spider-Man was the alpha uh, of, not that kind of alpha, the Greek letter alpha. Oh. <laughs> so I obviously don't need to recount the origins of Spider-Man or the plot of that movie. If you haven't seen it, you just you just don't get it, do you? <laughs> You just weren't a kid ever. Well, it doesn't matter because uh, just in, what, the past 10 years, Spider-Man has been remade no less than three different times. True. and It's a well-told story. It's like the new nativity story. One thing that people tend, so I won't go over all of the Spider-Man stuff in the movie. Everyone saw it or know someone who saw it. Uh, Ask a person next to you on the train if you're listening. And uh, the first Spider-Man movie was really kind of the... The pinnacle of a, uh, or the last gasp of sorts for a particular genre of music, and that was the music inspired by soundtrack. Yes, for roughly the, the period of like the late '80s to the early aughts, uh, a lot of big tentpole summer movies um, would have an album. Not necessarily these days; it's mostly scores. Like you, if like the new Avengers comes out, you're not hearing. A bunch of songs on it you're hearing the score for the avengers and most superhero movies most big movies are like that now but it used to be that in addition to the score the movie would release a music inspired by soundtrack uh which would feature an album of singles by popular music acts of the day that were at best tangentially related to the plot of the movie or its characters 
for instance, Spider-Man 2, its entire romantic subplot can be perfectly summed up by Yellow Card's gift and, Gifts and Curses uh, for anyone who had that wow. 2004 album. Uh, and its primary plot by Dashboard Confessionals Vindicated. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, the, and the first Batman movie uh, kind of had the first one of these, which was essentially a Batman-themed concept album written entirely by Prince. The, what? If you've never heard the Batman, the first, the Michael Keaton, Batman, Tim Burton, if you've never heard the soundtrack for that, it's entirely, cur- it's not even curated. It's a whole, it's a Prince album. It's just a Prince album, but it's Batman-themed. Um, so the, uh, the first Spider-Man movie had uh, an inspired by soundtrack. Uh, and the first song we're going to discuss today was something you might have heard if you turned on a radio in 2002. <laughs> I am so high, I can hear ever. <laughs> yeah. Stop laughing, it's beautiful. <laughs> nah. All right, man. Nah, let's, this is this is the song that plays when Spider-Man swings back to his home and just lights up a big blunt. You know what I mean? Like Spider-Man. Because I am so high. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think this is a first-person narrative sung by Spider-Man? Spider-Man does not fuck with recreational marijuana, okay? That is Dr. Strange's steez. I'm just saying, this is not that that high energy. You're thinking web slinging. You're thinking photo taking. You're thinking it's a different kind of high energy. Yes, exactly, Nick. Exactly. I mean, this is some chill ass shit. Well, the song just started, and you won't think it's chill ass shit once I tell you who's playing. Now, you. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, Steve! Color me interested now. You really sold it to me. The song, as you may have figured already, it's not a Nickelback song. It is a Chad Kroger solo outing. And I will not go too deep into Chad Kroger and Nickelback because I'm sure we'll get to them sooner or later. <laughs> um, but We've uh, danced around them for a while. Yeah, but The the track here uh, is uh, recorded by Chad Kroger, lead singer of a little band called Nickelback. Uh, and it features Josie Scott, lead singer of Saliva. Uh, who you may remember from that seminal classic, a click, a click, a boom. Nick does. Click, click, boom! Oh, I like that one, yeah. If you watched a wrestling pay-per-view at any point between 2002 and 2006, you probably heard it. What a name, though. Saliva. Mm-hmm. Ugh. You sound like an ASMR video. This song, though, features its own little early aughts Avengers team, because along with Kroger and Scott, it features Nickelback's bassist and Chad's brother, Mike, Guitarist Tyler Connolly of Theory of a Dead Man. Oh. And drummer Matt Cameron of Soundgarden. No kidding. Yeah. It's a little supergroup wow. of. This was the first Marvel yeah. Avengers. Yeah, I know. It's a little supergroup of sadness. <laughs> a mopey supergroup, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, this, uh, I, as I mentioned before, this is not a Nickelback song. And you may disagree with me, though the person who doesn't disagree with me is uh, Nickelback lead guitarist Ryan Peake who the whole reason that this is on the Spider-Man album and not on a Nickelback album album is because Chad Kroger wrote it for that album, brought it to the band, and they have a whole democratic system thing in their band, so everyone has a vote, and it has to be unanimous. And he voted no because it, quote, didn't sound like a Nickelback song, which is complete bullshit because they all sound like Nickelback songs. Such BS, man. They I were just, he just didn't like it. I think he was upset he wasn't in the song. Yeah, it's the jealousy. It's jealousy! A thousand percent. Oh, man. He was Harry Osborning him. <laughs> oh, my 
Manly harmonies, though. But Spider-Man doesn't fly. <laughs> this this is going to be a through line through all of, for most of these songs. Except Spider-Man doesn't one. fly. Every Spider-Man doesn't fly. No, is the like I said before the the one of the real hooks behind all these inspired by tracks is that it has to be absolute mustly be tangentially related to the superhero in question. The people doing the song have to have the loosest grasp of who the character is and what they're about for the Inspired by Soundtrack album to work. You know, that's the beauty. It's tangentially related, but then the song can also potentially have a life outside of the movie. If it was super specific to the plot, and then you get bitten by a spider, and but then you get superpowers and you wrestle bone so. But here's, here's the thing about that. As we're watching the music video, the music video, and this was uh, this was a feature of these types of, like, inspired by albums, is that the music video would often feature clips from the movie. Yes. And the, the music video for the song and the track would come out before the movie. So if you're watching this, uh, this music video for Hero, you are basically seeing the plot of the Spider-Man movie being played out before you. This was before spoilers were a thing that was important to people, um. I guess. <clears throat> Trailers always show too much of the movie. But the Spider-Man trailers didn't. But their music videos the music video did. Does. Oh, they they pull a sneaky on you. Someone told me love will all save us. But how can that be? How can that be? Someone told me love would all save us. But how can that be? Look what love gave us. Asking the tough questions. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. What kind of what kind of um emo bullshit is that? Like Exactly. That's what it is. It's distilled emo bullshit. This is a this is Chad Kroger and Josie Scott in 2002. It's not bullshit. It's spittle from saliva. From saliva. Click, 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 boom. boom. If it love, you know, I get it. You know, love is what causes people to go insane. Lo- love is a mental illness, which is a beautiful mental illness. Let me tell you. But it um it, it does make you a little crazy. You'll you'll kill someone if they you know they fuck with your love life. Like you know? Spider Man did. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he did. They killed uh, Uncle Ben. Did he kill them? Yeah, Spider-Man killed Uncle Ben. No, 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 That's no, the no, orig- no, 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 secret no, the, the, origin. Of he killed. He killed the guy who killed Uncle Ben. No, uh, the he tripped on shoelaces and fell out of a window and died. But he liked it. No, he was actually horrified. <laughs> Do you think he would have done it? Ah, uh, only if he was under the influence of the Venom symbiote. <laughs> Oh my! You it's Spider Man Three. <laughs> you remember Peter Parker trying? To, you remember Tobey Maguire trying to look all badass? He that? tried to kill the Sandman. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Nick could care two shits about fucking superhero movies. Look at this. Nick is having the time of his life. No, no, like, no. yawning and that was. Well, you know I don't blame you. It's only because to... it's only because Spider Man Three was such a bore. <laughs> and he's yawning and blood spilling. I'm not going 
can tell yet, but a hero will save us. So, so wait, so why are they? Why is he running? I don't know. Why is he flying like an eagle? That, well, well, are the eagles the heroes? Are they are they flying the people out of the city? Eagles are pretty heroic. Have you seen Lord of the Rings? You want this one instead? No, I'm good. It's black. I don't need coffee. A hero will save me. <laughs> Though the eagles are not heroes, they're a fucking cheap ass plot device. God, Steve, Steve, 20 years later, still hung up on the fucking eagles. Because they wrote themselves into a fucking corner. Tolkien did. That's what happens when you try to write a novel in the trenches of World War One. Steve, you're hysterical. Then, I'm very sweaty right yeah, now. Because the eagles flew the little hobbits off the mountains, right? More or less. Yes. You got it. End of movie. All right, I, just, I, I don't want to press on too much, but neither do I. <laughs> That not quite guitar solo I love so much in grungy rock. Look at Chad Kroger's crotch. There's no punch to this. There's the makeouts. Oh, the punch hasn't happened yet, Mike. It's basically adult contemporary. It isn't the love of a hero, and that's why I fear it won't do. Whoa, whoa, wait, hold on, hold on. Now that the world isn't ending, it's love that I'm sending to you. It isn't the love of a hero, and that's why I fear it won't do. Well, yeah, no fucking shit. You ran away on an eagle while the city's getting blown up to whatever the fuck's going on. Like, uh, oh, and now that everything's okay, you're going to come back and try to get your dick in me? Get the fuck out of here, That's Kroger. right, Mike. No, the eagles were not metaphorical in any sense. Literally... Grabbed Don to an eagle, flew out of the city, which was being demolished by something, and then what was that about dicks? And then tried to get some. No, that's what he did. He left. He left. And then a hero came in, and I'll tell you what, the hero was macking on his lady, no doubt about it. Getting his mac on, and he comes back and he's like, oh. Chad Kroger specifically. Chad Kroger grabbed an eagle, flew away, while Spider-Man or some other hero saved the city started macking on all the ladies. Chad comes back, thinks he's hot shit. Obviously, he's he's self-conscious about it. He's like, oh, well, are we going to keep this thing going? I know, like, we were all about to die and I laughed. <laughs> like, but you still have my babies? Like, fuck you. Sorry, sorry I left. I was so high. I could. Watching us. <laughs> Watching us. Um, funny thing about this song. Uh, everything about it. Everything about it. Uh, there was a kerfuffle between Kroger and Scott after this came out. Uh, Josie Scott claimed he was scammed out of a ton of hero money. Uh, in, uh, as Scott, oh, that was his villain money. <laughs> yeah. As Scott said, Chad Kroger, then his friend, offered him a, sh- a quote, handshake deal, end quote, that should have handed him $40,000 for recording the song and another 40000 for shooting the video. And instead, as Scott said, quote, they fucked me on that song. I want the whole world to know it. They made millions off that song and threw me $5,000. That was foul, that was wrong, and that's bullshit. They would have paid a janitor more than that. I can't even pay for my flights and my hotels with $5,000. What the fuck am I going to do with $5,000? That's bullshit. 
<laughs> now do that whole rant again with this song playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> they screwed me on that song. I want the whole world to know it. They made millions off that song and threw me five grand. That was foul. That was wrong. That's bullshit. They would have paid a janitor more than that. I can't even pay for my flights and hotels at five grand. What the fuck am I gonna do with five thousand dollars? That's bullshit. <laughs> Yo. You're right, Nick. That did work better. Oh, and could you imagine if he put it on the album? Like, His rant? Yeah, they, they recorded no, over I mean, it. No, <laughs> this is bullshit. Because they didn't put this on the Nickelback album. No. It was but only on the Spider-Man soundtrack. On the Spider-Man album. But if they did, do you think he would have been even more pissed? Like, If he didn't get his fucking money, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck am I going to do with $5,000? <laughs> Scott, uh, Scott said he planned to avoid hiring a lawyer to sort out the dispute, preferring instead to, quote, get on a plane with a baseball bat and go see who's got my money. <laughs> oh, click, click, boom, indeed. <laughs> click, boom. Um, so yeah, that's a little, that's a little bit of a hero by like Chad a Swiss, Swain, Swain Powell with the, uh, with the baseball bat. Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy that they do that to him. I tell you, you know what? No one, no one's got any fucking honor anymore. You know, like, <laughs> Scott's like, nobody spits on saliva. <laughs> All right, so for our second uh, stroll... Oh, I'm gonna, excited about this one. Yeah, we're going to keep to the Marvel... We're keeping to the Marvel movies, uh, based on our Avengers theme. Uh, <laughs> and uh, shortly after the success of the, spur- of the first Spider-Man movie, huge mega-million-dollar mega movie, um, Marvel started to farm out all of its... what it considered larger-tier characters at the time to a bunch of studios, because at the time, they didn't have their own studio, so they were just throwing licenses out to anyone pick them. And uh, 20th Century Fox picked up, uh, had already picked up X-Men. And after Spider-Man made a shit ton of money, they picked up the Fantastic Four and uh, Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil, for people who don't know, from the, you probably watched the uh, the Netflix, the far superior Netflix series. That's not what we're fucking talking about. We're fucking talking about the 2003 Ben Affleck movie. Yo, I gotta give it to Ben Affleck for this performance. You can't be Daredevil on Batman. It's fucking stupid. He, it's not fair. He beat the shit out of those guys with his cane. I liked that. That was good. This my, whole my this favorite part was when he and uh, his future wife got into a fist fight in a playground, and nobody said anything. Oh, but with Michael Clark Duncan and Colin Farrell with a fucking bullseye blazed on his head. Bullseye. I want a fucking costume. <laughs> uh, by the way, just a little uh, little bit for me. The uh the there's the theatrical cut and then there is the rated R director's cut which does make it a far superior movie. It's really, not a, it's not a classic by any stretch of the imagination, but it's way better because apparently it had a very important subplot that they cut out for time involving Coolio. What? Yeah, Coolio. Nobody there? cuts out the Coolio subplot. There was there was a subplot where uh, uh Foggy, his best friend Foggy, uh, played by John Favreau, the future director mm-hmm. of. Iron Man. Iron Man, yes. Um, uh, were uh, representing Coolio's character, uh, and in representing Coolio's character, they put the pieces together that lead them to getting to the Kingpin, played by Michael Clark Duncan, and leading to his downfall. The movie, or the studio, Fox, cut all that out, so all of a sudden, it's Daredevil's like, I know, I know the Kingpin is Michael Clark Duncan. I'm going to go beat him up, just out of nowhere. Just no proof. 
this like let's go do this. So it does it do, and it has a lot of fun character moments and it makes it rated R, which always makes it better. Um, it doesn't cover up for the fact that everyone in that movie is doing insane super stunts and none of them have real like physical superpowers. Daredevil is the only one with superpowers, and it's all sensory. Yet for some reason, he's making leaps off of thirty-story buildings and landing fifteen stories below with no harm done to him. Oh, cause yeah, he doesn't really. No, he's just a he's ninja. Bl- yeah, he's a he's blind just, ninja. All, he's, yeah, he's a blind. All ninja of his senses sense are power. super, super heightened, but that's it. Like nothing else supernatural. Oh my god, he's a blind Spider-Man with no superpowers. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> no, he's a blind Batman who's a lawyer. And it's, <laughs> but no matter what superhero you compare him to, he is the blind version. Yeah. But <laughs> what about the song? Oh, right. So again, much like Spider-Man, this was the time of the m- music inspired by. Except unlike Spider-Man, the Daredevil movie actually put all of its songs into the actual movie, which was kind of weird. Oh my god! Oh. I remember. I know it's not the song we're talking about, but this you was talk about mo- Evanescence. Of course, yeah. Bring Me to Life. This was the movie that it was like tied into, and and there's the whole electro montage scene with "Wake Me Up, Wake Me Up," and I can't all of this. I, I can't believe I couldn't see. Get in the dark. dark, but you were there in front of me. I've been sleeping in thousands. Yes, it seems. Yeah, oh, that's so this, oh my god. That's from this movie, yeah. The song most people remember from this movie soundtrack, if they remember anything at all, is Evanescence's "Bring Me to Life." The song, that song, however, stands on its own apart from its inclusion in this movie. However, there is a song on the soundtrack that cannot. A song that, while containing lyrics pertaining to the character of Daredevil, still manages to not be about Daredevil whatsoever. And that song is "The Man Without Fear." by Drowning Pool, featuring Rob Zombie. So if you couldn't make out those lyrics, don't worry. I don't think you're supposed to. I will give them this. The first sentence, can you feel it? Daredevil goes off of feelings. <laughs> Not even the, the first half of the first line. <laughs> Mike, we haven't even gotten to the point where the song just starts saying the name Daredevil over and over and over again. Oh. Like, I, like I'm saying, it somehow manages to be both about Daredevil and not about Daredevil at the same time. Steve, the subject of my thesis is going to be simply by screaming Daredevil over and over again. It technically does make the song about Daredevil. We'll see. Yeah, so... Uh, you feel it the perfect day. Scratch the leaves. The, the paper, paper tears. Te- tears. I always thought it said paper jam. Here's the thing. Goddamn <laughs> <laughs> paper jam. It's Daredevil <laughs> smashing a printer that's just not working. And it's actually... We've all been it's there. It's actually a coffee machine. <laughs> <laughs> And everyone's across the across the breaker going, do we tell them? I don't know. Does that make us assholes? Damn, printer's spilling very hot ink all over me again. So, the vocalist you're hearing is Rob Zombie. Uh, if, yeah. you want, if you want to talk, if you want to hear more about us discussing Rob Zombie, go back and listen to our Dragula episode, uh, fun which one, fun which one. is fun because uh, much like Dragula, I went years without understanding the lyrics to this song either. That just seems to be a thing. How much did you listen to this song though over the years? I had the soundtrack. No kidding. I had this one, and I had the one for Fantastic Four. And Fantastic Four, uh, inspired by music, is 
just as bad as the movie. <laughs> I did, Every song on the album movie just was as terrible. Bad. Yeah. I, I did remember this. As soon as I you, uh, you sent the song to me and, I, and you played it, uh, I remembered where it was from in the movie. And I hadn't seen the movie in yeah. years. This is when Bullseye assassinates Electra's father. And there's like he's riding a motorcycle. It's like and Colin Farrell's like standing up and like doing weird things for no reason. That's the whole movie: doing weird things for no reason. <laughs> Daredevil. Uh, but Drowning Pool, who we have never discussed, they're an American rock band hailing from Dallas, Texas, featuring bassist Steve Benton, drummer Mike Luce, uh, and guitarist C.J. Pierce, with a revolving door of vocalists. Um, you may anyone who was our age during this time period. Uh, they remember bands like Drowning Pool, Saliva, P.O.D., Trapped, Puddle of Mud. Basically, a rotation of bands that you would hear uh, write theme songs for any WWF pay-per-view. Yes. If you have, those were the two worlds that it bridged. It was grungy and loud and angry, but still commercially accessible enough that yeah. it could be slapped on a pay-per-view. And Drowning Pool's most well-known song, of course, Bodies, which has been used as an Ugh. instrument of musical torture by the U.S. military. It has. What? We're doing a whole episode yeah. on songs that have been used for torture. They Are used it in Guantanamo me? Bay. To like fuck Let with prisoners. Let the bodies hit yeah. the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Just to just to fuck with prisoners, yeah. And like one of the members of Drowning Pool, I forget who it was, like came out years later and was like, "I'm very proud of the use of our of our Jesus song by American Christ. servicemen." Uh, you know, we all got to do our part yeah. for the great country of America. <laughs> oh, Although man. All, <laughs> oh, that's, that's so fucked because when your name is Drowning Pool and your music is played while someone's being waterboarded. Yo, there's too many connections there, man. That's Jesus. Could you? Oh, that must have been terrifying. Yeah, it's torture. <laughs> torture must have been awful. <laughs> the only thing they could have used that would have made it worse would be. Especially if the person they're torturing has no cultural knowledge of the United States whatsoever. Who's Daredevil? I don't understand. Why are we? Why are they singing about a Daredevil? Okay, I visualize like a drop of sound. I understand. Like Being I know a the movie exercise in the middle of the episode. Well, no, I know the movie, and to, to the movie's credit, I think it did. It showed like how he sees as well as it possibly could with like the you know cuts like cgi yeah. and it shows that like i thought that that worked but is that i'm assuming that's what rob zombie is trying to convey in one line but he's trying to use he's trying to use sound to paint a picture <laughs> that's what music is all about steve like this yes this is the super cut of every time rob zombie says yeah in a song surprisingly long video there's like 10 more minutes to this i won't play it but <laughs> he sounds like planes like flying by he sounds yeah, like a doppler effect yeah. he's just a doppler effect as a man yes mike do you have questions about regarding daredevil i want to know <clears throat> so so y your beef with this is it's it says daredevil Eventually. No, my beef with this is that it, I hate drown. I hate Drowning Pool as a terrible song. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hate Drowning Pool. Rob Zombie confuses me, and it's a terrible song. You can't hurt me. No, you 
That's also untrue. Daredevil is very easily hurt. He's just a very well. He's just a very well built. No, he's talking about emotionally. He's oh, built okay. up such a wall around him. Like there's a whole sequence in the movie where you show where he show Ben Affleck getting into the shower and his body is covered over in scars. Because he's a lawyer no, that was gets beaten <laughs> up every night. It was also, most of that was the coffee burns from the, uh, <laughs> from, co- the from the printer. <laughs> Foggy, I can't get this thing to work. My paper jammed again. So he can be hurt in every single context. Yes. Don't they say love is blind? No, justice is. In fact, I think that's coming up. Man, I forgot to write a bridge. What are we going to do? Oh, come on, come on, come on. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Daredevil. Thanks, Chad. <laughs> Chad Kroger's in the next studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's recording the Spider-Man song. Slowly takes my hand. Delicate features in this rain. I lose everything. Can I dream? The voices scream. The voices scream. The voices scream. The voices, yeah! (laughs) It's very, yeah, it's a very... He's he's demonstrating what the voices do. He's like he's like oh I got this like you were saying oh I got this lady oh man I'm I'm dreaming this is love this is great and then all of a sudden he just hears her screaming she's dead gone. The voices scream yeah 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 Suddenly, you're shot irreparably. Did he shoot down the gun? Pen, the cane pen? Is that what? Happened? No, Daredevil doesn't use guns. He uses cane. He uses uh, escrimis sticks that can be <clears throat> connected together to form a cane or nunchucks. You know, <clears throat> you know, like all lawyers are able to. I think all blind people yeah. have. I'd like an Irish Daredevil who has a shillelagh. That's that's well, what... he's, his name is Matt Murdock. So you've already got one out of two, and he uses a clubbing device. So, but it but it needs and he's spikes. a cat and he's a tortured Catholic. Aside from developing a drinking problem, I don't know how you can get more Irish. Drunk daredevil. That you know what? Drunk devil. I beat Nick to it. <laughs> you can't bring me down. I'm a daredevil. Or dare drunk. No. It's no it's dare drunk, but it's just D period A period R period E. Daredevil. Say no to hey, drug kids. Say no to drug kids. Especially glowing green radioactive drugs that turn you blind, but give you superpowers. Say no to those. Yeah. Rob Zombie stubbed his toe in the recording booth. I feel like we just got into the middle of like an like a next to the end boss fight in a video game. <laughs> like there's you just you just got its first health bar down and all of a sudden oh there's two more left to go and the situation changes and now they're in a forest or something. Justice is blind. But I trust you. Justice is blind. But I trust you. 
that matched nothing with the rest of the song. I, I think he's not he's not even talking to the same person anymore. He's just it what the here's what I think happens with all of these types of this situation is and I think we talked about it on a previous episode for I can't remember what it was, but I'm pretty sure they got a piece of paper with some daredevil facts. Like, here are the things you need to know about Daredevil. The man without fear. Blind. His name is Daredevil. Go. Or Go! Yeah. Go! Come on, come on, come on! <laughs> we gotta finish the song! Come, come on, on, come on, come on! <laughs> what song? Daredevil! Come on, come on, come on! Go! Go! That's just the studio liner notes. They're just like, let's, let's incorporate it to the song. So that's The Man Without Fear from the from the film Daredevil. So for our last our last pick... Why, why, why didn't they say The Man Without Sight? I think it's a little too literal, maybe. Also, I don't hey, think the guy who don't see so good. I, I don't think he wants people knowing, like that he can't actually see. Because then the bad guys hear the theme song and they're like, "Wait, he's blind? It's that lawyer guy." Oh, maybe okay. Because because oh, you would strike more fear in your opponents by being known as the man without fear rather than the man what can't see. <laughs> or I guess you're not trying to strike fear in that point. You're trying to be like, "Oh man, I don't want to beat up a blind guy." Yeah, I don't want you to beat me up, beat him up either. Should we just lay down and let him kick our ass? Yeah, let's do it. Well, also imagine, listen, you want to set the bar real low when you're thinking, like, you know, have your villains thinking about you. That way you catch them off guard. They'll be like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? I love how interested Nick is in this episode. Nick, (laughs) what's wrong with you? I had a busy day yesterday. It's been filming uh, an upcoming web series for Dapper Devil Productions. Check out DapperDevilProductions.com or follow us on social media to catch all the latest. All right. So <laughs> Nick can go to sleep he, for his uh, baby boy bedtime. Uh, we're going to get to the last song on the rotation here. I'm no, this so one is, excited this one this. is a jolt to caffeine. I'm very now, excited for this. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, when we think of the Marvel juggernaut today, we're thinking of the Avengers, thinking of Spider-Man, thinking of... Uh, Nothing else. Nothing else. Those two things. Uh, Marvel didn't also always used to be a juggernaut. In fact, um, after uh, a few movie serials in the 1940s starring Captain America, there was no live-action representation of any Marvel Comics character. Until 1986, when a little-known filmmaker by the name of George Lucas uh, decided to produce... Uh, after becoming virtually bulletproof through the production of a little film called Star Wars, a series of films called Star Wars, uh, decided to produce uh, a film about one of his favorite comic book characters. And that comic book character, his name is Howard the Duck. You so exquisitely dragged out that tension. I just want you to know. I... Love this movie, Steve. You shouldn't. It's a total piece of flaming garbage. It was the first movie I ever saw. Are you wait? How do you remember the first movie you ever saw? Because I watched this movie every single day as a three year old. Like it was like my movie. My parents recorded on VHS. You saw duck boobs every day. Every single day, dude. I love duck boobs for some reason. I don't know, but it explains so much. Yeah, we were talking about fetishes and kinks last episode. I I didn't (laughs) realize it was coming from a place. I didn't realize the place it was coming from. Um, dude, this and you know what always cracked me up as a when I found out 
apparently that it was a bad movie is that he what he he wanted to wipe it off of his resume who George Lucas? George Lucas. He didn't want anyone to know that he produced it. Oh, you you think? <laughs> he tries to do it so much. Star Wars special didn't exist. Howard the Duck didn't exist. The original theatrical uh, cuts of Star Wars no, didn't exist. I, no, the things you guys are remembering were wrong. You don't remember right. Did I, I remember. Didn't he fuck up Game of Thrones as well? Didn't he get no? In there? George Lucas didn't fuck up Game of Thrones. Who was the surprise director that came or producer that came in for an I episode? I think sometimes I think your brain exists in a parallel universe yeah, I, where it where. A timeline that could have happened but didn't, and your brain is there sometimes. Oh my God, you ever think you think I felt through like a wormhole? Or the Matrix, which describes it as a sense of deja vu. So, Howard the Duck. <laughs> yes. Uh, created by comic uh, writer and artist Steve Gerber, um, was a at the time it was created was created as sort of like a subversive, absurdist comedy character. Uh, where you, the basic idea would be, let's do a character that would belong in a cartoon, like an anthropomorphic talking duck, and let's drop him into like the real world where Captain America and Spider-Man live. And let's Cleveland! just... Cleveland! <laughs> let's just point out how batshit insane this universe is by having our Greek chorus be a cigar-smoking talking duck. And then when George Lucas had the movie made... The people who made the movie decided to not do any of that whatsoever and just play it as a total straight science fiction film, which, as we discovered, was probably the wrong way to film it. I wouldn't change a thing. This thing is a gem. It's got a cult following. Come on. The only time I ever saw this was when I, my parents finally got cable and I watched Sci-Fi, the Sci-Fi Network. It would show. It would like. I still have not seen this in its entirety. It would randomly show up at like two p.m. on a on a Saturday, and I would watch it. They had so many great duck puns, Nick. You would have you seen this movie? No, like I said, I haven't seen the whole thing. Oh, Nick! They, right in the beginning, the first fifteen minutes my, is so funny. It's yeah. you know, it's insane too. The entire creative and production staff of this is almost entirely transferred over from the staff from Temple of Doom. Like right after they finished making Temple of Doom, Lucas took all the same people practically and put them on the Howard the Duck project. Just think about that. <laughs> think about. Temple of Doom, not exactly the strongest Indiana Jones film, but still pretty good. Howard the Duck. Um, and at the end of the film Howard the Duck, we get a little song called Howard the Duck. The uh, lyric page specifically mentions quack times nine. <laughs> I was counting. They, yeah, they were accurate. They were spot on. Um, so the song, Howard the Duck, uh, was uh, written, uh, co-written actually, by Thomas Dolby, who is a specifically the, the, no, the, uh, uh, the, the group in question was Dolby's Cube, which, which was his like studio band that he used. And he is a an English musician, and he's primarily known for the song "She Blinded Me with Science." Uh, so he co-wrote this. Daredevil hates that song. Yeah. 
Yeah, Nick. He is awake. What what is it I said I would do that uh to patronize and uh good effort. Good effort. Nick. Oh yes, thank you, thank you. Uh Dolby's Cube, which is the the band that he that he uses. Um and uh, it was co-written him and uh sorry, and uh, music funk music legend George Clinton of Parliament. The two of them wrote this song. <laughs> yep. Yep. We lost Nick. No, I'm here. God damn it. <laughs> no, I meant in like a in like a you checked out mentally through the force of that knowledge. Like it hurt you a little bit. I was also suppressing a yawn though, so I thought that's what you were referencing. Oh, oh okay. My God. Then yes, Nick. I am referencing that. Now. I was like, wow, you have strong feelings about this George fella, like. <laughs> Uh, the, <laughs> on the, so Dolby's Cube is listed and so is the band Cherry Bomb, which is a fictional band headed by the lead actress in the film, Leah Thompson. Yes. Oh, Leah Thompson. character, Beverly, in the comics, she's a, a nude model, but in the movie, she is the member of like a Josie and the Pussycats-esque girl band. What a heartthrob, man. She was great. Yeah. And she, she, they cast, yeah, I agree. And, uh. They cast her and then cast the band using actresses with actual musical experience. So the song is being sung and played by the actresses who played the characters. Oh, good for them. This is a good song. I mean, come on. It's certainly a song. On, why is it on our podcast, Mike? Yeah, Mike. Because the movie was bad and uh-huh. it's, it's noteworthy. I'm putting this on the noteworthy section. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Steve, can I, this is a slight tangent, but I have to know, because uh, I watched the perf- I watched the end sequence in the movie of this. Who played Howard the Duck? So, glad you asked. Howard the Duck was actually played by six men and women, including a 12-year-old boy. Uh, originally, Lucas had wanted to make it make Howard the Duck the first feel, the f- film the first film to feature a completely computer-generated character. This is 1986. He thought that they could do a full CGI character in 1986. God, he's been gunning for that for so yeah. long. <laughs> However, that tech still had a decade to go, so the movie relied primarily on a combination of special effects from ILM and practical puppetry, specifically an animatronic suit developed for six, uh, uh, you know, uh, smaller, yeah. smaller, the actors, they were smaller in stature, yeah. but it's an animatronic suit, so it's got, like, like uh, a whole bunch of mechanisms. Yeah. It's the... like an Iron Man suit, but instead you're a duck. <laughs> and it's yo, know, it's funny. Like if you want, like when I fit, when I heard about that, and I watched the movie, it's like you can tell when it's like the twelve year old boys in there versus like like an older an well, older actor. The majority of the performance came from uh, an actor by the name of Ed Gale, and the vocal performance was by a Broadway actor named Chip Zine. Um, Ed Gale specifically had to step in because they originally filmed the infamous duck love scene where Beverly and Howard get intimate uh, with um, the 12-year-old boy in the costume. No, they didn't! <laughs> they, oh were, they were going to, and then that, that child and his parents felt very uncomfortable with it, so they put Ed Gale back in the costume. Oh, he that, must have been pumped. <laughs> yeah, he had no problem with it. Uh, that costume, by the way, you could only see through the, through the duck bill when it was open. That was the only time you could see through it. He basically relied on a series of like hand motions to communicate with people throughout Jesus the film. Jesus Christ. Which is especially crazy when you consider there is a sequence where uh, Howard and Tim Robbins, who's this is one of his first films, uh, his character wow. required that both of them fly a plane in real life. Uh, this what? This yeah. movie goes all over the place, Nick. There's the man. There's so 
Gale was trapped in the animatronic Howard suit, could only see through the beak, and had to fly a plane with Tim Robbins in real life. How did they? How could they do that? It was a little, those little like gyro planes, you know. So he's like just got this like it's a two seater plane, like no walls on it, you know. What I mean, it's just like the yeah. and they're fly, and it's a it's a police chase scene, dude. It was great. I don't know why people don't like this movie. Like, well, people tend to not like the movie for several reasons, one of which being uh, the aforementioned love scene between Leah Thompson and an animatronic duck. Though apparently the only one who wasn't upset by that or uh, was put off was Leah Thompson herself. Leah who, Thompson was all about it, man. Well, she, she had just finished a movie wherein she hit on and made out with her teenage son, uh, who had traveled back to the future, um, and she thought the whole thing was hilarious. So... She was on board. She, she she thought it was she thought it was righteous. Dude, he even gets like they do a like um like a boner, but it's not as it like but it's like his feathers on his head, but it's they like fly up, <laughs> and he's got a duck condom in his wallet. So if you're trying to get the sense, of I, I why very cost, much do want to watch this. Movie. Why why consumers didn't seem to pick up on this product, uh. Probably a combination of the thing he was just saying, the thing I was just saying, and the fact that nobody seemed to know what the hell this movie was. Bestiality wasn't in yet. I think I think if this dropped on yet, Netflix no. today, if this dropped on Netflix today, I think it would do really well. Well, yeah, if they actually adhered to what the comic was and didn't just do a straight-up sci-fi movie about people making out with ducks. If it was like a subversive, absurdist like comedy movie as opposed to just... A duck from outer space shows up and makes out with. But it what was a great love story. It was. How the duck is the great love story of our age. He lands in Cleveland all by himself. He doesn't have anybody, and he and he sees he sees Leah Thompson's character outside getting jumped, and he comes in and he does quack foo, and he takes down the robbers, and then she takes him home to her apartment. See, you don't need to watch the movie now, Nick. Okay, I've had it somewhere. Yeah. So, what, so this song plays at the end. It's just like the celebratory. This Howard, is who our character. Howard. Was. Uh, so the evil Dark Overlord has been vanquished, and uh, which that was another big mistake. They didn't use Howard's arch enemy, Doctor Bong. Doctor Bong. Yeah, he wears Dr. a he wears a giant helmet that's shaped like a bell, and he like dings it, and it creates sound waves that like destroy things. He's Doctor Bong. Not, not your kind of In, bong. It, the helmet is a bell, and he hits the bell. It was the seventies. They weren't that. I subversive. wish he shot smoke out of his helmet. That'd make more sense. Look in the in the new movie adaptation that will eventually happen. I'm sure he will have uh, a head. He'll be like Chairface Chippendale from The Tick, <laughs> but instead of a chair, it's pot. So Howard the Duck oh, yeah. song. Wait, get the planet on the phone? Yeah, get the get the planet. Uh, what was it? Quack. What, what's the planet called again? I can't remember. Duck something or other. Duck planet, I'm going to call oh. it. Oh, where he's from? Yeah. Oh, shit. Where is he from? Exactly. Doesn't it doesn't need you need to do a deep dive. I just want to make Dude, sure I heard that correctly. They warp him through space in a recliner. <laughs> yeah, his recliner's a rocket. Um. No way to conceal it? No way to that conceal he's a it. duck? 
No. No shit. There's no way. He's a duck. They he try. stands out very much. They put him in a trench coat and everything. He doesn't, And he also doesn't wear pants. He doesn't wear pants. You can't be an anthropomorphized duck and wear pants. <laughs> no. No ducks wear pants. It's probably just because it's tough to animate a duck wearing pants. How would you do it? Well, apparently it was tough to animate anything, so they decided not to. That's true. <laughs> Donald, no pants. Daffy, no pants. No shirt. Howard, no shirt. No shirt, no pants, no problem. <laughs> Daffy Duck. She's got it bad for this duck, Nick. She's falling hard. She wants some duck dick. Now do you see why I included this song? <laughs> Sorry, Mike, I couldn't hear you. Could you repeat that? She wants some duck dick. <laughs> Thank you. Dude, there's actually a part where he works in a in a in, in the sex the, the sex spa. You remember that? Sure. What was this movie rated again? <laughs> it was rated PG. <laughs> That's what I thought. Again, you wonder why it bombed. It's almost as if people went into it with a certain expectation and were met with the polar opposite expectation. She said, get the bumping off of his face, off of his case. Was that an expression? I must, it must be. Hey there, partner, get the bumping off his case. Thanks, Slick. So at the end of the film, Nick, in that scene you were referencing earlier, uh, having defeated evil, he now becomes the band Cherry Bomb's manager. Yes. Like you do. And learns how to play the guitar. And again, uh, the actor Ed Gale, in an animatronic suit, can't see except out of his mouth, playing an actual guitar. Really? Yes. Because I had a question, because I saw that clip uh, of the end scene where the song was playing, and I was curious, throughout the movie, do they give any indication of how the duck can play guitar? No. No, he just can. He just starts shredding. Yeah. Now, to be fair. Yes, please they, defend this. They do say he has some, he writes jingles for commercials. Okay. He's, a, so he's an advertising he's duck. He's an advertising duck. Okay. But he does, but he loves music and he hates advertising. And evil. Yeah. <laughs> What? No way to contain him in a second. He could love, love you, you apart. apart. Wow. Yo. Yes, Mike? Mike, don't come on to Nick in the middle of the episode like that. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's a well-endowed duck. No. T- <laughs> Not since blurred lines when T.I. could show you something big enough to tear your ass in two. Has there been <laughs> such a promise of a good time? Slash horrifying body mangling time. <laughs> love you apart. That's crazy, man. I'm gonna love you into two pieces. <laughs> oh. no. Howard the duck. No, see, it's, it's Howard the duck. So we're like, I'm gonna love you into two pieces. Jesus Christ, that your is mother ten- won't even recognize you. <laughs> oh my God, that is nightmare fuel. No. Howard the duck. <laughs>
By the way, if Seth, if Seth, Seth Green can't do it anymore, Marvel, you just let me know, and I will easily come on to voice Howard Is the Seth Duck. Seth Green going to be Howard the Duck? No, he already voiced Howard the Duck at the end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Oh, shit, that's right. He's in it for like two seconds. They're going to give him his own movie, though. Oh, yeah, they have to at this point. I can't fucking wait. There's the guitar solo! Howard the Duck. Guy in an animatronic duck suit playing his guitar. <laughs> Hickory Dickory Duck. <laughs> he ain't about to be plucked. Too groovy for gravy. Too precious for pate. He's a funky little feather bearing waterfowl. He's a funky little feather bearing waterfowl. Mm-hmm. I I really like that line actually. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and I will end. I will end with this line. Sorry, Steve, could you repeat that? Uh, it was quack right in their face. Little ducks in the human race come into my tub of love. Okay, so that's what I thought they said. My tub of love. He's an aquatic creature, Nick. He occasionally needs to bathe. His feathers will dry out. And sometimes where you bathe, you make love. Come on, Nick. I will. I That's will. not even kinks. That's just no. It's <laughs> a lot it's of not the concept of that. It's the concept of me imagining this animatronic duck with a love tub. So I, I will end. I will end with this note. Uh, it's been a long, hard journey, especially for Howard. Um, the film was a flop. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Bullshit. But <laughs> yeah. it objectively, did, it Mike, did it was a indirectly flop. result in one unexpected bonus. The graphics group, which was the part of LucasArts or LucasFilm, responsible for initially developing the computer-generated, the computer-animated techniques, was sold because they failed. They couldn't get it working in time, uh, and uh, George Lucas needed some cash flow because, again, the movie bombed. They spent a lot of money on it. Uh, I think there was another uh, thing that happened around that time. They lost some money on, so they sold the graphics group because it wasn't doing its job, uh, and. It was sold, or it was purchased in full by a gentleman named Steve Jobs, who had recently been booted from Apple. Included in this purchase was technology rights to anything the graphics group had developed, including its primary piece of hardware, the Pixar Image Computer. Yes. Are you shitting me? Well, because you knew that, like, Steve Jobs kind of owned, like, Pixar when they were getting started. I did, I- yeah. So wow. because Howard the Duck flopped so flagrantly, Lucas was forced to sell an unworking piece of his company, which then eventually became the animation juggernaut known as Pixar. Without Howard the Duck tanking so righteously, we would have no Up, we'd have no Incredibles, we'd have no Toy Story. So next time you think of shitting on Howard the Duck, that's fine because it's a terrible movie. No, but no, remember, no, no, no. 
Remember what it got you. It, Mike, it, I, I think I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like what you're about to say is if Howard the Duck being more successful meant we didn't have Toy Story and Up and Inside Out, you would say so be it, you know, because Howard the Duck deserved. Was the be all end all. We didn't yes. need the rest of that. We had Howard the Duck. I, I'm going to stand by this. If this movie, I don't think enough kids from Generation Z have seen Howard the Duck, the original. And Probably because their parents are trying to keep it away from them because of all the duck fucking. And duck boobs. Which is funny because every time I try to type the word fuck into my phone, it autocorrects the duck. Because you're always referencing Howard the Duck in all of our text messages. I think it would do well today. I think this that movie would do well today because of it, how off the walls bonkers it was. There's a niche for everything now. Well, we'll try it. We'll see. We'll do another duck fucking movie to see if the people are ready. <laughs> But that was, gentlemen, our summer blockbuster edition of A Day at the Movies. Oh, what a, what a lovely time. Duck oh, God. Let's end this. Let's end no, this, you, you, you can send cut this out. duck turd as soon as humanly possible. <laughs> gentlemen, thank you for coming along on this journey with me. Well, thank you for having us. Steve, it's always, You're always such a good date. You okay. are. You are a great date. I buy the popcorn, I buy the soda, I don't buy the candy. <laughs> I'm not made of money. I'm just thinking of the daddy song about wanting the chocolate bunny. All right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, let's, let's rehash that again. Yeah. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening uh, to our summer blockbuster day at the movies. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can check out Dapper Devil Productions also on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find me personally on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Nick Brigadier. And check out DapperDevilProductions.com while you're at it. See all the fun stuff that we've been up to and have coming up in the near future. And uh, Mr. Mike Russell. Uh, yeah, you can find my stuff on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.D-O-T. And uh, watch Dairies of Our Lives on yes. DapperDevilProductions.com. Do it. Do it now. Please, for the fucking, love of God. Fucking stop listening and go watch it. Y'all deserve a chance to giggle at some milk. So <laughs> that's the best elevator pitch for that you've come up with yet. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all so, deserve a chance to giggle at some milk. So uh so yeah, and uh you know, please, you know, send in our your song suggestions, your reviews, five stars preferably. And why don't you tell us what your favorite movie flop was? Howard the Duck. That's mine. Yes. What's your what's your favorite flop, Steve? You got a favorite flop? Oh out there? man, the probably my forehead right now. <laughs> hey, oh, he's very sweaty. And Steve, where can we find you? <laughs> uh, under some AC later on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at your man Trollo, uh, and on the Dapper Devil Productions website, of course, where you can find all of our fine, devilly dapperish production products, namely ourselves. We're our own products. Maybe a T-shirt eventually. Oh, we gotta do, we gotta get T-shirts. I, you know, there's a good Sontopsy Report T-shirt that one of us has. I'll tell you what. I have one too, technically. Oh, you do have one. I, yeah. I have one as well. Yeah, you guys never wear them. They're <laughs> fucking hot and itchy they're and wool. thick. They're, they're wool. They're wool T-shirts. <laughs> they're made of wool. They're lambskin. <laughs> guys, they're so hot and so scratchy. Why do you wear a summer T-shirt made out of wool? <laughs> Uh, but, in Ireland. Exactly. Uh, but if it, yes, if, if you, the beautiful listeners, want merch, let us know. We'd be more than happy to make some for you. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us this week. I am Nick Breedier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm the true master of quack-foo. And, My but, kind of man. And the way I want to be... <laughs>
<laughs> the way I want to end this episode is the way I would like to end all episodes from here on out. With Rob Zombie saying yeah every single which way he can. And uh and we'll see you next week guys. Take care. It's a Dapper Devil production, see?